Chances are, important updates from your company come in the form of lengthy emails and meetings. Now, with uStudio, there's a better way to communicate. uStudio helps your business host, manage, and distribute secure, private podcasts in audio and video formats. Approved users can access confidential training, product updates, weekly messages from the CEO, and more from any device, anytime. Request a free, personalized demo today at the letter ustudio.com. And be sure to mention you heard it on Equity. Hello, and welcome back to Equity, TechCrunch's venture capital-focused podcast. I'm TechCrunch reporter Kate Clark, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Wilhelm. How's it going? Going very well. I think I think we're talking to everyone in the new year. So happy 2020, everyone. It's a new decade. Yeah. New decade. Very, very exciting. Um, but uh, while that's all quite cheery and, and lovely and delightful, we have uh, some, some crappy news. We have some sad news, Kate, and it's all about you. So I'm going to just shut up and let you tell the people, all of our fine friends here on the show, what's going on. Yes. So the sad, 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 bittersweet news is that I will be leaving Equity uh, because I'm leaving TechCrunch. Um, I've decided to join the information, which Boo. is a which is a subscription-based publication. So you have to subscribe, pay, give us your money, and read some excellent journalism. Um, yeah, I'll be doing fewer stories, but some more in-depth pieces on venture capital and startups in Silicon Valley and beyond. So I'm really excited about it. I'm very, very sad to be leaving Equity. I'm very sad to be leaving TechCrunch, but opportunity calls, and it was just, the right move for me. Yeah. The information is one of the few publications you could go to that wouldn't make me cross. Like if you were going to pub that I hated, I would be like, what right. the hell? How dare you? But as everyone knows, we cited the information <laughs> on this show a bunch of times. So mm-hmm. it's not uh, an unfamiliar name, um, but we, we wish you all the best. And we hope that you will still occasionally pop your head in uh, and hang out with the equity crew as time goes along. Hopefully, and eventually we'll have someone wonderful back on the show that's going to be on Alex's shoulders to figure out, and Chris, Chris's shoulders to figure out while I'm gone. But um, this, I believe, is my last recording. So thanks to everyone who listened to me for the last year or so. Um, it's been so much fun doing this, and I will miss podcasting lots. All right. Um, let's put it aside the sad and dig into the, the weird and the wild. We're going to do two things today on this kind of like inaugural episode of, of 2020. We're going to talk a little bit about the end of year controversies that kind of spiraled out of control as 2019 came to a conclusion. And then each of us are going to give some fun predictions about what's going to happen in 2020. The goal is just to have some fun. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a year. So let's kick it off with uh, some enjoyable controversy. Kate, we're going to start with what the hell happened to the Away Suitcase Company, which is a company you first told me about because you own I do. a millennial pink Away Suitcase. Wow, I'm so impressed that you remember that. I, I talk to you a lot. That's so, true. You know, some, some of it sticks in my brain. I, I, so yeah, Away is the suitcase startup. It's valued at more than a billion dollars, been cash flow positive for years, which is remarkable for some of these companies. But there was quite a scandalous controversy that emerged very recently when The Verge did a series of stories on Away exposing their CEO's mismanagement. Problematic. Yeah, problematic problematic management style to, stay the, to say the least. I imagine that everyone listening to this is pretty familiar. If they have not actually read the story, is quite familiar with what went down. Um, it's pretty tough to sum up because it was a very long, extensive piece. But since the original piece, more reporting has exposed some offices in New York for... Having like, what was it, Alex? Like, did you read it? Ventilation issues or something where they had to wear gas masks? It was a quite a mess, and the company didn't really do much to protect the workers. 
Yeah, there's kind of two things that 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 I think kind of break out here. One is the company's internal culture on the kind of the HQ side of things. And then the other side is how individual stores slash manufacturing bits were run. And, and there's problems kind of at each one. It goes to show that the behind the, the facade of success, this you know, billion dollar valuation and cash flow positivity, the end market uh, Instagram-y brand that Away had, the operations were problematic and the company's culture was somewhat broken. Just to throw out some examples about what was going on at Away, employees were discouraged quite seriously from sending private kind of Slack messages. You had to do all your, your communications in public. And that led to some really odd situations that were unnecessary in a lot of people's view. It's never the whole story to see a screenshot of a Slack, but certainly you can read a lot from a conversation when you have a lot of the text. And the CEO, uh, before she stepped down and handed over the reins to um, someone else, said, you know, I've grown a lot since then and, and so I've tried to become a much better leader. Um, startups are messy and hard. The, the reason why this was controversial, um, aside from just what we outlined kind of so far, is that people were confused about how bad the behavior was and is it only being criticized because it was a, it was a woman who was the CEO. And I, I would be curious, Kate, to get your take on the, on the first bit. Um, how surprised were you to read the initial report and see the behaviors described. And did, did it shock you? Were you unsurprised? What was your emotional response to that? I was really surprised. I mean, I don't know anything really about Steph Corey, who's the CEO or who was the CEO at Away. Jen Rubio, who's a co-founder and I think maybe COO. I'm not exactly sure her title. I, I've seen do more speaking gigs and I just, I'm a little more familiar with with her personality than Steph's. Um, so I, I, you know, I didn't, I was surprised, but then also understanding that I didn't know a ton about the the, the dynamic there. Um, but yes, I was really surprised because this is a company that not only has become representative of sort of like the new era in which f- women can actually lead, finally, unicorn companies. Um, but it, like I said, it's been cash flow positive. They've sold over a million bags. It's been really quick, fast growth. You know, they're former Warby Parker workers. And I, it, was, it was a great success story. So... Yes, surprising in that regard. Um, but I will say I was the most surprised that she actually stepped down or resigned from her post following the story. Almost what, like 48 hours later, I thought she would write a blog post, stay quiet and then do nothing, uh, you know, not step down. Um, right. So that that really, 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 really surprised me. Well, I think one thing that kind of fed into that was they had already been kind of bringing, they, they had already planned to bring someone on as a COO that would then take over the CEO title next year or this year now, I suppose. Got to use that new year uh, changeover. And they kind of accelerated that process yep. was my, was my read. And so there's, there, there's nuance to it, but you know, you make a good point. There aren't that many women who are the CEOs or founders yeah. or co-founders of unicorns. I, in their last episode, we mentioned there were 21 newly minted female founder unicorns in 2019. That's not that many compared to the total. Yeah, it's not. Uh, and so to see one of them uh, struggle in this way is not good. But also people that I know and respect said that the, the, uh, the bad behavior, called that, wasn't that bad. And if you've ever worked in like retail, you get treated much worse than that. And so the question was, was this really bad behavior in general or was it really bad behavior for a company that somehow lands in the venture capital tech space, even though it's mostly a, a luggage company? And Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I also noticed, uh, or yes, there was uh, the, the key takeaway here is that there was a big debate over how appropriate this behavior is and whether she should have been ostracized in such a way if she really deserved it. You know, this is happening all the time. Of course, you can't you can't and shouldn't compare a venture backed startup in tech to a to working in retail because like I've worked in retail and it definitely sucks. But like I'm not 
if I were to be joining a tech company, I would have extremely different expectations about my working conditions. And the employees in a way were in the right to complain about that. And it was great that they went to the verge or, you know, however that happened and, you know, found an outlet for that. But, and, and I'm glad that it's ignited this much larger conversation about what is acceptable and the fact that we should raise our standards. I mean, not our, because neither of us are working in, in tech in that way. Um, so yeah, I think going into next year, and this kind of fits into our predictions, which we'll talk about in a little bit, I think we'll A, see more stories like this because I think people are, employees at organizations are going to feel more comfortable approaching reporters saying, hey, like I'm working in a really shitty environment and like it's kind of like a way. I mean, we've seen this, we've seen a rising ability of workers in the tech and venture-backed industries take a bigger stand. They seem to realize that they have more authority, more um political leverage to these companies than they thought they had before. We're seeing Google, you know, go through essentially an internal civil war over this uh, sort of like who owns, who owns the power. And, you know, one thing that's not talked about enough is that tech companies are notoriously not democratic. Like, especially we talk about, you know, founder friendly voting arrangements. I mean, keeping power from the board, we don't even discuss how little power employees have over decisions and so forth that companies make. So it's fun to see uh, almost like, almost like a class battle inside of tech, but um, that's a way, yep. uh, we just want to touch on it. It was a big deal. Um, it kind of landed in awkward moments for us in our recording cycles. We didn't quite get to it, but we couldn't also not talk about it. Uh, and in the exact same vein, on a more fun note, on a more positive note, or maybe not depending, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, there was an ad. There was an ad, uh, Peloton. Um, everyone's favorite stationary techie exercise bike company that we've talked about a lot on this podcast. I think oh, yeah. we talked about it a lot because for a while you were like, you wouldn't stop talking about getting one right yeah and, and then, then i was just like stop that. talking about it just buy one and you were like i can't i was like yes you can't anyways no, that's yeah, why we guess. talked about it yeah um so they they published it oh, it was a holiday ad um featuring a woman whose husband by a very thin woman we might add whose husband buys her whose husband buys her a peloton bike and then it has all these odd sort of like snippets of her life in the weeks getting since getting the bike and then at the end she expresses, I guess, an, what people felt was like an inappropriate level of gratitude. But also, I think the main issue, was it that she f- looked so terrified? What was the main issue with, that people had with the ad? So I don't know what percentage of people who are listening to Equity who are married. But let me tell you, um, don't go buy your partner a piece of exercise equipment as a yeah. gift. Because you're, it, it's somehow a subtweet about how they currently look. Unless they ask for it. If they say, I really want six new kettlebells, buy them those. Right. But surprise, I got you a cardio bike, says I think you should change your appearance and that's going to get you into some serious trouble. So the sub, the, the immediate context was bad. To the idea that she, this actress, could possibly need to lose weight to kind of put it in that yeah. you know, was ridiculous. Yeah. And then the ad was super weird. She looked like she was trapped somehow. Like It was just uncomfortable to watch it because it's so it was so separate from reality that from anyone's reality, the reaction that there was, sorry, I just, the reaction, the public reaction to the ad, I wouldn't, I'm not sure I would have expected though. People like it's been weeks, right? And people are still talking about it. It's weeks. been dubbed Peloton gate. I mean, I, I, I thought, I, I always presume these Twitter tempests are tempests and teapots and that they will not reach out into the main world. Uh, my partner talked about it. There was an SNL sketch that mentioned it right afterwards. It was a big deal. Peloton stock moved and people thought that might be from the advertisement. I wrote about that, I think. Um, it was a big damn deal. Yeah, and Brian, 
Ryan Reynolds and Ryan Reynolds cast the actress to be in an ad for his whiskey gin gin, gin company. Gin. Um, and I thought that ad was, was very clever. She basically is just having a drink with her friends in what is supposed to be like actually just her uh, dealing with the backlash of this ad. And she's kind of just like, I don't know, drinking the gin to escape her current plight. Well, what she does is pound an entire martini, yes. which is like two and a half, yes. three shots. So let me tell you, if you want to feel better really quickly, that's a great way to do it. Um, you also feel worse after that, but you'll feel great in the moment. Uh, it, it was a huge mess. It, it shows that the the power of um, uh, the power that brands build for themselves can be reflexive and kind of come back at them if it doesn't go well. And so I think that everyone learned a lot from this, but I suspect that people are still going to buy Peloton. It, you have to be careful. I, I was um, the day or the week that this Peloton ad came out. I I, I just met with this uh, woman who basically d- freelances uh, video production and does ads for startups. And she said she was working with a birth control delivery startup that wanted to do an ad in which somebody orders pizza and also orders birth control, and like they compare and contrast the speed of delivery. And she was trying to convince them that like that just wasn't the right tone. And apparently they just wouldn't listen to her. I think. There's just sometimes a little bit of disconnect between these companies, advertising departments slash CEOs, whoever is having the last word and just kind of like the general public who's like, uh, what are you thinking? Yeah. The way you think about your company may not be the way other people think about yep. your company. And if you fall in between that chasm, you can end up accidentally trapping a woman into a hellish Peloton deathscape in which she has to work out at 6 a.m. while her husband sleeps. So she can be like two <laughs> God, pounds less. God. Yeah, it, it was weird. Um, that's putting a cap on 19 really as, as yep. a whole. And now let's look ahead to 2020 and we're going to do something, I think really for the first time in the history of the show, aside from the occasional like laughter, uh, which is that we are going to put the beard on the, the mic. beard speaks, the beard <laughs> speaks, uh, Mr. Christopher Gates, the, I'm so excited. the, the producer of equity since day one, um, who has been with us throughout this entire, entire twisting and turning adventure of having a long-term show um, has two predictions for this year both of which are exactly on topic. So, Mr. Gates, take it away. Uh, thank you for the lovely intro, and hello, everyone out there in Radio Land. Uh, okay, so I have two spicy takes um, that Alex didn't want to read, so spicy, I'm going spicy. to uh, read them myself. Okay, so my first prediction for 2020 is kind of connected to the Away story, is that I think that this tech-enabled business con is over like if you are a suitcase company you're a fucking suitcase hey, company you're not supposed to swear like it like that it, <laughs> like you're not like a way is not a tech business and there mm-hmm. are all these businesses out there that have like gotten these huge valuations because they you know we work is a good example but you know that is the the outlier of every company but there are yeah. all these ddc companies out there that say that they are doing something innovative, that they are bringing something new to the market and have this world conquest kind of ethos that everyone buys into, but they are just a suitcase company or they are just a real estate company and do not Mm -hmm. deserve the hundred or the 10 times multiple that they are getting. So I think in 2020, we will see company after company losing uh, some of their valuation so that they <laughs> lo- losing some of that evaluation and that gig is yep. up, that con is over. You are right. The DTC valuations are whack and so are real estate 
company evaluations are meaningless and maybe going into 2020, uh, the, you know, some of these new deals will be negotiated differently, but also like now that you've set the standard, it's so difficult to, to rewrite the laws behind how we value these companies. But yeah, away, you make a good point about away. It does not have, I, what is the, te- what is the tech in a way? Well, there's no tech per se in the way that we used to think about technology, but what a way might have, and I don't have an insight into this, is very strong gross margins. Like we don't know how good that I, revenue I is. Think that it, they, I that think they, they have. do. Yeah. So I, I think Chris's point is that companies that are valued, like they have great gross margins and that are venture backed, um, that actually have mediocre to middling gross margins are gonna struggle. And I think that's um that's definitely going to happen. But that that prediction wasn't that spicy. That's a reasonable prediction, Chris. I want to hear about your <laughs> other one, which is which I cannot wait to push back on. So please tell tell the people what's your SoftBank idea. All right. So SoftBank, I think that Masasan is going to get pushed out of SoftBank. Mm-hmm. So here are my reasons. One is uh, I think people are confusing lucky for talented. And I think that Masasan maybe was just really, really lucky with his bet on Alibaba and maybe mm-hmm. not necessarily the most talented investor. I mean, he there. lost all his money at the dot-com boom, didn't he? And then he remade it all. Yeah. Most of it. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, lucky versus talent aside. Well, actually, no. Can he get pushed out of SoftBank? That I don't that's, know. I don't know if he has like controlling stake. Um, I don't know the corporate governance of SoftBank enough to say totally. if, if that's an actual possibility. So maybe be- like my very bullish prediction is he's going to get pushed out. Maybe my uh, bearish one is that he will. there will be more oversight into his uh, decisions in 2020 with the new fund. Um, you know, like here's my second reason is the, the theory behind SoftBank was big money, uh, equals big strategic advantage. And I'm not sure that proved true. I think really like, you know, you look at the example of WAG and they didn't build a moat around their company with cash. What they did is they dug a ditch, dumped the cash in and lit it on fire. And that's not a moat. That's just a bonfire in front of your company. Like, well, yes. Tell me, Alex. (laughs) People say that I am unkind, but ladies and gentlemen, I, I give you Christopher Gates. Chris, Chris, I think you need to be the, I think you need to take over for me and be the co-host. I don't see why not. I don't see why uh, not. So I think, and, and you know, like you're looking and seeing that there have, I think that they are having trouble closing the second vision fund. They are definitely having to go back to the Saudis to get dirty money from them. Who cares about killing journalists? Just give me the mm-hmm. money. And, you know, I think that the way that only way that other people uh, invest again with Masa-san after he just like got was totally uh, schmitten with uh, Adam Newman is if somebody is looking over his shoulder to make sure he's not being uh, enchanted once again. I don't think there's going to be much accountability for Masa and he's going to have to still deploy a lot of capital. But I do think that um, they will not meet their fundraising goals for vision fund too for sure well that well well okay kate well you've taken the baton lead us through the rest of your views sorry okay um i have some super half-baked predictions i don't like baking predictions because I, I i'm always wrong and i just feel like i can't 
I can't be right. So, but anyways, I think that as far as capital investment in new sectors or up and coming sectors, I think we'll see some middle-aged companies emerge from the mental health space. We've already seen a lot of seed deals happen, but I think we'll see some companies kind of like uh, make a name for themselves more uh, than we've already seen. Um, I also think we'll see a lot of companies shut down in the space there. I think we'll see a lot of capital going into senior tech or elder tech companies. Um, so so things, things uh, companies thinking about elderly folks and and I'm excited about that. And I think there'll be more conversation around like longevity, whether that's how do we live forever or things in that realm. I know a lot of VCs really like love that term and love that space because they they really, really want to live forever. Um, so I, I, I'm curious what will happen there. And then finally, fitness tech, which is actually a space that I thought going into 2019 would have more activity than it's had. So now I'm thinking maybe it's next year. Maybe we'll see more next year as we see how Peloton plays out on the stock markets. Um, but I'm not sure. I think we're going to, I already said my SoftBank one, but I think we're also going to see a few, a few direct listings. I think we're going to see a few billion dollar direct listings. Um, I think that's obviously Airbnb. And after you do some of your predictions, I'll talk about some companies that will be going public next year, um, most likely. And a few of which I think will do direct listings and there'll be much more to say about that in 2020. Okay. So I think most of those are pretty good. I, I think I agree with them. It's always hard to guess where money will go because it's hard to know <clears throat> how much money has been raised recently exactly in like the elder tech space or longevity. But I think you're correct that that's where uh, some VCs are looking. So yeah, I, I, yeah I, I can go with that. Uh, on my list of quote ideas that might suck, uh, here's what we got. I think there'll be fewer direct listings than uh, the bulls currently think because I think people want to raise capital when they can. Uh, I think that China's startup venture cycle will stay depressed. Uh, as everyone recalls, 2019 was relatively modest in China's VC world compared to 2018, 2017, 2016, 2015. Um, I think that the problems that um, San Francisco has will get uh, worse in 2020. I don't see any solutions to it. And I say that without any, any glee in my heart because I just moved out of that stuff. Um, but it's a city that I lived in for seven and a half, eight years and that I love. Um, uh, related to that, I think that mid-sized tech markets will keep pulling uh, talent and capital away from SF. I mean, if you told me five years ago that Utah was going to be a unicorn factory, I would have giggled in your face. Proves what I know. I think that the, uh, the mid-sized tech market in, that, in the U.S. is getting stronger and stronger, which is good for the nation, but probably not good for SF in terms of its um, relative advantages. Uh, I think crypto goes kind of nowhere this year. I think, you know, aside from like maybe plus 100%, minus 50% the price of Bitcoin, I don't think we're going to see anything dramatic um, unless there's an innovation change coming that I don't see. I don't think the happening that's going to happen in a couple of months will do much. Um, I've been a stock market bear for a while, so I'm going to repeat that. In one year, I'll be right eventually. I don't think the stock market goes up too much this year. I think VCs continue to raise huge funds. And then I think we see a modest compression in SaaS multiples by EOY using the Bessemer Cloud Index as our, our, our metric there. That's my list. Uh, Kate, what do you think? I think um, just the other day, I re-remembered that ICOs were a thing. I completely forgot that <laughs> ever happened. I like had this moment where I was like, whoa, remember when that was everything? That was everything in in our, for, on our beat for, the, for like a yes. few months. That's And I was covering it like so much all the time and I don't even remember anything about that like I don't know how I learned to write about that because I forgot everything I learned I still remember the first post I read about Bitcoin like back in like 2013 2012 somewhere ages ago and uh I remember being like trying to explain what a blockchain was to readers without having quite the words myself and having an distributed ledger knowledge 
Yeah. I mean, you know what it is now. We, everyone just kind of has that. You know, I know how to say things to make it sound like I know what it is. Slow. I mean, I know what it is. Database. Um, can VCs keep pace with the ICO market? Here's an article I wrote in 2017. But yeah, it was like a, <laughs> it was such a phase. It was like, it was all anyone talked about. Anyways, yes, um, I don't think I agree with your predictions. Um, aside from direct listings, which I think there'll be a few. I don't know if you agree. I mean, I think three. I would have said one. So okay. Give, okay. okay. So let, let's end with this. Airbnb. Agreed. Give me two more possible names or, or ideas um, of companies that might meet this this kind of demand. Um, what about something like DoorDash or... No, they need they need money. They need money. No, need scratch money. that. Scratch yeah. that. Scratch that. Um, what about like Asana? Oh, valid. Okay. okay. Asana is a 50-50. I mean, they've uh, been growing really fast. They crossed 100 mil ARR Q1, Q2 of 2019. So they're going to be at, you know, a, you know what about roughly 200. See, some of my ideas, because mm, like, so you, so you, you need the brand. That's where, it, that's where it gets tricky. Not only do you need money, but you need a brand. I think these companies have the ability to drive the attention of public investors. I think if they want, if they're healthy enough to direct list, I think they probably can. The question is, do they want to pick up more capital? What about Snowflake? I don't know enough about their financials to have an opinion, but I, I think that is even more niche than Asana when it comes to the brand point you just raised. Okay, put direct listings to the side. Let's talk about the general IPO market. Yeah. Who in your mind is a prime public offering candidate in the traditional sense in 2020? Okay, so I want to I want to read from the recent CB Insights report because they have um, they always do a tech IPO pipeline report. And last year I did a story on five of the companies from that and four out of five of them did go public. So I, th I have faith in CB Insights ability to, you know, predict this. And of course, you know, if we dug in, you can kind of get a get an idea of who's probably going to try for a, for a float. But anyways, they think that Asana, Airbnb, Unity, Snowflake, GitLab, Credit Karma, Squarespace, Roblox, Databricks, Freshworks, Wish, Blend, DoorDash, Procore, Affinity, StockX, interesting, Service Titan, mm -hmm. Fanatics, CTFO, Avid Exchange, Envision, Braze, Outreach, HashiCorp, and Tanium are all companies that will likely IPO next year. So the top, but the top five are GitLab, Snowflake, Credit Karma, Unity, and Procore. So probably those five will, will do it. Very different companies. Like GitLab versus Procore, right? Those are distinct businesses. So what's fun about this list, and I'd want to actually sit down and sketch out what I know about each company before I responded about each one individually, is, is the diversity of them. Because it means we're going to have a lot of really interesting offerings. Like, like Peloton was very different than Uber. A lot of stuff like that. They'd be very different setups. It's not just enterprise SaaS like we used to have. You know, it's, it's more varied. Mm -hmm. um, Unity, Unity would be an interesting company to see. They've had some issues. I would be... I will be very interested to see what that S1 looks like. So out of the, out of the top five, which do you think is like the most like locked in for sure going to happen? I don't know because the, the, they're saying the top one, you know, the number one is GitLab and then Snowflake and Credit Karma. And these are all companies that I have not covered. Snowflake I actually have. So that one does seem like, I'll say Snowflake. That's a, that one feels like a very, very safe bet. Though I think they had a CEO, um, their CEO step out this year. Mm. Well, one data point about GitLab is that GitLab yeah, has, has said they're going to go public in November of 2020. Oh, okay. So the question is, okay. can they hit that? Because they hit they, 100 okay. million ARR this month. So Okay. See, I don't know anything about that company at all. I've never covered them. Um, but 
given that they've said it and, you know, CB Insights is looking at all these numbers and being like, it's probably going to happen. I, I think it will. Anyways, uh, I think it'll be a big year for IPOs like it was this year. Uh, I'm really excited for those to sort of kick off again. Not as excited as you are, but excited nonetheless. Yeah, I'm pretty jazzed. Before we before we go, though, a uh, quick story about GitLab, because uh, I was talking to their CEO uh, back in December and... I called him up for an interview to talk about his company and how big they are. And it was a Zoom call. So I had to quickly like clean up my office and turn on my video camera. And then he was like, can we live stream this? And I thought he was kidding. I thought he was like, like joking. Like we're going to live stream our call. Cause most calls are like, you know, please don't even record this. You know, he was serious. We live streamed to our what? 30 minute call. I, YouTube, Who? I don't know. Why? I just said, yes. I, the company is very transparent and this was part of their transparency push. So I just went along with it. Um, I'm going to try to find that because that feels like something that should be. I, I linked to one of my pieces. I'll send you the, uh, okay. the thing. Um, oh, I, oh I found it. Wait, it was last week. Kate, it's January 3rd. Oh, wait, what did you say? I'm sorry. I'm I said kidding. last month, which is December, because it's January when this goes out. There we go. I'm trying to fit the timeline. <laughs> Can we just, Con- just keep this in? Continuity. It's fine. <laughs> no need to edit. You it's keep fine. saying last week, and I'm like, shut the I don't know what day it is now, and I don't know what day it is next week. Kate doesn't give a fuck. This is her last episode. She does what she I wants. I don't give a fuck. She doesn't give a fuck. I'm just over here holding the flag. Alex like, is ah. trying so hard. I'm just like, all right. Anyways, um, everyone's going to miss me because I'm a great... I think that's a great segue. Kate, we're going to miss you, Kate. Um, we're really me. sad you're going. I'm sad. But we're, uh, Chris, I really hope that you uh, have the best of luck in your next Thank venture. You. I think Chris should take over. That's what I think. Um, <laughs> I, I was nominate going Chris. to pivot into kind words about you, Kate, but Thank we already you. did it. So I'll, I'll just say um, this show is, is a lot of fun to do, but it's a lot more fun to do with someone that you also get along with and find to be really Thank funny you. and smart. And you, you are, you guys are the best. Person. It's been fun to become your friend and your colleague and um, bon voyage as it were. Thank you. And that's it. Yeah, uh, so let's sign guys, off. Signing off. All right, bye. We will be back next week. Yes, bye. You can find us on Twitter at Alex and at Kate Clark Tweets, or you can email us at equitypod at techcrunch.com. And we are now on YouTube. Watch the full episode on the TechCrunch YouTube page. And if you really want to support the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes. And you can also subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and all the other places where you get podcasts. And a big thank you to our producer, Christopher Gates, our executive producer, Henry Pickovet. And we will see you all right here next week.